0: Rivers back to pass, floats one right, and it's caught for an effortless touchdown by Zach Pascal. Touchdown, Zach Pascal, his first
1: this year. He had five last year, and Indy has taken a 24-3
2: lead.
0: We're gonna have to get back to work and, and um, try to try to figure out what's wrong.
2: Because this this the identity of this team has it, not been what it what it has been for the last six years. What is up, Vikings fans? This is Chris Corso from Vikings.com alongside Ben Lieber and Gabe Henderson for the Vikings post-game report. It is a very similar game compared to week one. I, I, it almost is like a mirror image when it comes to time of possession in the Vikings loss to the Indianapolis Colts. So with that, I just want to get some initial impressions from, from Mr. Ben Lieber. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, we're in the same situation here in week two. And,
1: and, and I think I'm more disappointed by this game than I was the first game. You know, we didn't know a lot in the first game with no preseason games, didn't know what to expect. We saw what we saw. And then you, you hope that all those mistakes, and I know mistakes can't be corrected just in a snap of a finger week to week, but I didn't see much improvement from this team on either side of the football. And, and I think that's the most unfortunate part to me. I understand this is a building process. But in order to build, you have to improve. And I don't see where the improvement happened, you know, outside of that, that initial first 15 plays by the Vikings offense. Other than that, Vikings defense, once again, can't get off the field. Yeah, they get a takeaway and a nice play by, by Harrison on the tip ball. But, you know, not a lot of bright spots for this team in general.
2: Colts win the game 28-11. to 11. They had the ball for 38 minutes and 25 seconds on Sunday compared to the 21 minutes and change for the Vikings Gabe. So how do we fix this issue of time of possession and getting the offense going fast?
3: I think that starts with getting Dalvin Cook involved early. Uh, the past two weeks we've seen the Vikings getting getting the ball in Adam Thielen's hands, making sure he can, you know, get comfortable with this you know, with the speed of the game, maybe get a hit here and there. But Dalvin Cook has to get started early. He's one of those guys, you know, he, he needs to get hit one or two times before, you know, he could, you know, fill the game out. So <laughs> the, the line has to block for him, you have to be intentional with in, in giving him the ball. I know, you know, you don't want to be throwing the ball, you know, late in the third quarter, late in the fourth quarter playing catch-up, but if you really want to see um, the time of possession go up, you, you really need to give Devin Cook the ball. The first driver of the game, the Vikings had the ball for six minutes, five minutes, 50, five minutes, 59 seconds, you can just say six minutes. And then from there, you just – I feel like the run game somewhat got abandoned because – Um, The the Colts have the ball, then you have a safety. So you're you're playing catch up. But I feel like if you get Dalvin Cook involved early, you can definitely limit the time of possession for the other team.
2: The Vikings have the ball for like six minutes, end up not scoring the seven points, very similar to last week, and settle for the 21 yard field goal from Dan Bailey. The Colts come back on their drive, a rushing touchdown from former Wisconsin Badger Jonathan Taylor, who had a great game. We'll get into that later. But I think a key play that sets the rhythm for the game again is the second safety in two games on the Vikings' next couple drives there. It, it becomes 9-3 to three Colts, and they get the ball back. Ben, just break down this play. I mean, you don't see a quarterback have two safeties very often in two consecutive games to, to start out a season.
1: Well, to me, you know, I think it's it comes down to play design. You know, I know that there were some offensive line breakdowns and, and Kirk didn't get a ton of time. But, you know, we can't keep giving Kirk this, this these outs and these excuses that the offensive line is not protecting him. He does have to have better awareness. He has to have a better feel uh, for the pocket, all the while keeping his eyes down the field. And on top of that, when it comes to play calling, you know, last week's safety, play action pass, they're asking for deeper routes this particular play more of a true drop back you've got the quarterback sitting in your own end zone you know i think it's okay in those situations to go for checkdowns to go for shorter routes to go for things that are just going to give you a little bit of breathing room you know and, and going back to what we kind of talked about earlier it's more about running the football and establishing that run and using your workhorse and dalvin cook to to do that now if that fails then go with a shorter, shorter passing game. Don't always try to get the ball down the field in huge chunks, especially when you're backed up against your own end zone.
2: Then Kirk Cousins throws an interception. Uh, his first of the half throws one later in the half. I just want to go over his stats here. 11, 11 for 26, 113 yards, three interceptions. His first game with three interceptions as a Minnesota Viking in his career, Gabe. So uh, what does Kirk have to do to improve and, and get this offense going next week?
3: I think Ben just hit it right on the head. You you throw your checkdown routes, you throw your swing routes, you get those you know nickel and dime uh, plays that you know gets you up the field every single play. We saw Aaron Rodgers do it last week. I mean, short out routes, eight yard out routes, ten yard out routes, and then when the defense comes up, you can do a double move and you you get your big plays that way. But. Throwing the ball, getting the ball out, and you know letting your guys get the ball quick in the possession, I think that opens up the run game even more, and that that helps Kirk out even more. That helps the, the play-action passing. We know he's most effective when it comes to play-action passing. But until you can get the ball in the in the playmaker's hands, and you know keep the defense honest, Kirk won't be as efficient as he was last year when it comes to play-action passing. I mean, he he just doesn't look comfortable like it's comfortable as we as we you know as we're accustomed to saying you know granted we haven't played uh, any preseason games this is still the only second only the second game of the season but you know you got to find new ways to get him involved I mean the defense game plans just like we game plan for the defense so I think you, you just have to be creative in finding ways to get the ball out of Kirk's hands early and then putting it on him later in the game
2: the Vikings go down to 15-3 to three at halftime after a few field goals from the Colts. It seemed like the defense was kind of hanging in there, Ben. Like, I saw some improvement from the Vikings defense, at least in the first half.
1: Yeah, maybe in the first half a little bit. Um, you know, you're, you're asking the defense uh, a lot to be on the field as much as they have in the last two weeks. But, you know, a lot of it comes down to the offense, but a ton of it comes down to the defense, you know, regardless of what the offense is doing, you're still striving for three and outs. And and the thing that uh, that really, you know, chaps me a little bit is the fact that all these teams are kind of taking this recipe for success that we should be doing as a Vikings offense. And that's – look at the the Colts' run game today. Jonathan Taylor comes in as a rookie. You know, we all know his pedigree and where he's come from and what, he, what he's done and what he's capable of doing. His longest rush was 13 yards. It's not like he – he exploded, you know. and it had the 101 yards off of a big chunk run. It was 13 yards was the most. Then after that, it was four, five, six, five, seven. You know, it's it's those little needling runs that just wear your defense down. And and the defense was never knocking the ball carriers back. I mean, even even Phillip Rivers on a on a busted play just kind of snuck through the line and fell forward for three yards. You know, their their offensive line once again showed the vulnerabilities of our defensive front being a lighter defensive front uh, putting their hands on them moving them backwards before anybody could get a hand on the ball carrier
2: yeah that's something I want to touch on too in the second half because it's 18 to three at the beginning of, of the second half when they have kick another field goal for the Colts but Jonathan Taylor had 26 rushing attempts in this game dalvin cook only had 14. So it seems like the Colts just, just kept jamming the ball down the Vikings' throat and, and just continuing to burn the clock in the second half, Gabe.
3: Yeah, and that was the recipe to success for the Packers last week, and you can tell that they took notes uh, this week when it came to how do we keep the ball in our hands and keep the Vikings' offense off the field. Granted, the Vikings' offense had you know multiple three and outs uh, to start the, start the um, second half, so if, you know, having three and outs, that doesn't help the defense. I mean, there was there was a point where um first quarter, Harrison Smith um, forced an interception on Allie Cox and tipped it to Eric Wilson, and the Vikings get the ball in their own two-yard line. And, you know, three plays and out. So it, it feels like the defense didn't, didn't really have a break. Until the Vikings' offense can get going, opponents' teams' offenses are going to know that, hey, we're only going to be on this field for, for three more. We're only going to be off the field for three plays. We can come back in, find, find our rhythm again, and, and go from there. The Vikings have to find what their identity is. And until they find what their, what their identity is on both sides of the ball, then, you know, the time of possession will sway towards the other team.
2: It was more of the same for the Vikings offense in the third quarter. Colts offense starts picking up in the third quarter. Allie Cox the backup, backup, backup tight end for this team and Phillip Rivers seemed to have some game with five receptions on the day, 111 yards. What, what did you see from him, Ben? Like, why was he such a mismatch for this Vikings defense?
1: You know, just height and, and athleticism. You know, I, we, we talked about his basketball background. And, uh, and listen, Philip Rivers, you know, made a Hall of Famer out of Antonio Gates as a former basketball player just by understanding where he's going to put his body and, and trusting that, when the big guys lined up on a, on a mismatch on a corner, somebody that's shorter than him, he can trust that he's just going to throw it up and he's going to make a play. There looked to be some coverage uh, busts and issues on a, on a deep seven route by, by Ali Cox, but other than that, it was uh, a couple jump balls, a couple um, good, good leverage spots for him using his body, and again, Phillip Rivers is is a hell of a quarterback you know for for all the things that he does wrong sometimes trying to force balls into in tight spaces and he's a little bit of a gambler he still understands the mismatch game the chess game that it is and finding and moving around pieces to best make their their offense more productive and, and he's an accurate quarterback when he's
2: got time philip rivers has a has a touchdown pass to pascal for two yards that makes it a 25 to three game Kind of getting out of reach for the Vikings another field goal makes it 28 to 3 and then the team finally commits to a run but it's awfully too late as a touchdown from Dalvin Cook makes it 28 to 11. Gabe, do you take any sort of positives from that last drive where they move the ball down the field and then Dalvin Cook is able to convert on a two-point conversion as well
3: the one major positive is that you take away from that is that the offense didn't give up that play that Dalvin Cook scored. The didn't give up, but that was, even, that, that was an even better play by Dalvin Cook just extending the play. He broke two or three tackles just to get into the end zone. But, you know, the, the, granted, they did have, you know, two penalties on that drive that, to go against the Colts, which helped extend the drive. But the offense didn't give up. You knew the game was out of reach. And as a head coach, while you want things to get back on track, all you can really ask from your team while they're down is like, hey, don't give up let's let's not let's not fold right now let's let's remain as a team and I think the Vikings did do that and then that's the offensive positive a defensive positive is unique Yannick Ngakwe, uh having his biggest play as a Minnesota Viking his first career sack as a Minnesota Viking and his seventh sack against Philip Rivers um in his career you know he played in Jacksonville last year and he played the Indianapolis Colts uh, a lot of times so it, th- those are the two positives I think the Vikings have to build on but the offense uh, I think you you build on Dalvin Cook running the ball. That last offensive play right there. Hey, Dalvin Cook, we're going to run our offense through him, and then we'll figure everything else out.
2: Ben, give me your takeaways on the Vikings' offensive line performance in this game, because a lot of Vikings fans are going to blame this on Kirk Cousins and 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 talk about his his failure in this game. But but what did you see from the Vikings' offensive line, especially from a pass blocking uh, standpoint? You know. I
1: I would give them a a C plus if I had to give them a grade. I mean, it it wasn't, it wasn't amazing and it wasn't uh, terrible either. I mean, they're going to give up a little bit of pressure here and there. This is, this is a a defensive front four. That's just starting to find its feet and and they're already really good even before they they get in their groove here. And they've added some nice pieces. They've got some guys that can really rush off the edge and they, and they do a really good job with their twist and stunt game. And that's really what hurt them. Again, it's, Going back to the Green Bay game, it's it's this four-man rush where we've got five, sometimes six guys. If you're going to add in a tight end or a running back to block, just four guys, and and we're not uh, as consistent blocking those four guys, and that's troublesome because now you get seven guys in coverage. You make Kirk think much faster and tighter windows, whether you're playing man or zone. And uh, you know, I think I think Drew Samia came in and played. Pretty well, I mean, there was a, a couple of issues later in the game, but I thought overall in the first half he played pretty solid. Uh, he did a good job passing some things off, and, and he was uh, effective in the run game. So having elf line out, having a question mark at right guard, I think he filled in admirably. But in general, overall, they have to do a better job of communicating stu- twists, stunts, any sort of movement by the defensive front. And until they do that, it's going to be a, to be a long season for them and Kirk and Cousins.
2: Vikings are 0-2. I believe 12% of teams that start the season 0-2 have made the, the playoffs in NFL history, Gabe. So a big, tough matchup against a team that is and 2-0 next week. The Tennessee Titans beat the Jacksonville Jaguars 33-30 to today. What does this team need to do to get back on track next week, Gabe?
3: Just finding their identity. Of course, we, we know – the Tennessee Titans love to run the ball. You have arguably one of the best, a top five running back in the NFL right now, in Derrick Henry, who just who's coming off an, another big game. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how the Vikings, you know, figure out what what they're going to do to stop the run. Of course, you know, Daniil Hunter he can't play this week, so you you got to go with the guys that you have now. I mean, Shamar Stephan didn't play a, a terrible game, but you're going to have to, you know. Uh, Depend. I mean, ask more of him this week. You're going to ask more of guys like your Jahlil Johnsons. Those guys really have to step up. Just clog the line of scrimmage, and it's going to be interesting to see um, the diagnosis on Anthony Barr's injury right now. Of course, we know he went out with a shoulder earlier in the game, a shoulder injury earlier in the game. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on because that that's another huge. You know, (laughs) he's he's one of the heart and souls of this Vikings defense, and. The Titans, who are coming in 2-0, 2-0 for the first time since 2008, they're not looking to slow down. So it's going to be interesting to see what the Vikings can do. But I really put it on this Vikings offense. We know the Tennessee Titans love to run the ball. For the Vikings offense, what are you going to do to mitigate that? Because you're going to have limited possessions with uh, Ryan Tannehill being so efficient and Derek Henry running the ball. What are we going to do to keep the ball in our hands and keep the, the Tennessee Titans offense off the field?
2: Ben, I have a specific question, last question for you. The Vikings had just 12 first downs in this game compared to the Colts 24. They were two for nine on third downs. So you go against the Tennessee Titans team, which is a Mike Rabel, a great defense. So if you're Gary, I know you play defense in the NFL, but if you're Gary Kubiak, how do you attack this game from a play calling perspective going forward? What, what do you do in the first quarter to say, we're going to get the ball down the field and get get the thing going? I don't know if it's just running the ball, but, but what do you do? How do you prepare for this game against the Titans? Well, I think when it comes to
1: execution, what you try, should try to do is just feed Dalvin and feed Madison. You know, give them a taste of their own medicine. And, and it might be a sloggy, boring for first quarter, but it's a long game. If you play that long game and you soften up the defense and you let the defense know, hey, we're going to establish this run game and we are going to try to match braun with braun. And, and I think that should be the approach. This this whole approach about about running this whole offense in a pass-first nature with Kirk it's not working. You know, again, we've got the defenses have four-man rush and seven guys in coverage too too often. We need to get them in a situation where they have to think about bringing a safety down in the box to stop the run game. You've got to think about bringing another guy in the box or doing something different and give our offense, at least in the passing game, some more numbers, a better advantage than than having seven guys in coverage all the time. So, I, I think that you have to go into this game and you have to gut check your whole offensive uh, front line and say, "Hey, guys, we're we're going to go downhill. We're going to go downhill on these guys. We're going to test your toughness. We're going to test the toughness of our receivers in the blocking game, and uh, and try to control the clock a little bit and get our defense off the field."
2: Ben, I thought you were going to say that we should remove Gabe from the show so we can get. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I know the the jinx is back, man. <laughs> Dave,
2: we love having you, and you do great work for Vikings.com. As Vikings fans, I'm sure know, but wonderful. I just don't
3: help us. I just don't help us win football games. So just just rub it in.
2: Welcome back to the Vikings.com postgame post game report. This is the second segment of the show, and for that, I welcome in. Vikings.com Cy Amundsen along with Gabe Henderson returning to the show in this segment we're going to recap the postgame pressers of the Vikings as the team suffers a tough 28 to 11 loss to the Indianapolis Colts at Lucas Oil Stadium so we're going to start out the show with Vikings head coach Mike Zimmer who comments on the identity that he's built over his six years with the team.
0: Yeah. You know, the first drive we got held by a penalty, but um, you know, the second quarter was not very good. Uh, you know, they, they possessed the ball a lot lot in the first quarter and we possessed a lot in the first quarter, but yeah, uh, our field position was awful in the second in the second quarter and then the interception and the safety, you know, all those different things that happened uh,
2: right before halftime. Um, you know, we, we can't, we can't give up those kind of
0: points and plays and um, field position, you know, the, this this team has kind of been built on um controlling the time of possession, um, you know, playing great in a red zone and on third downs, and uh we haven't been doing that very well. So we're gonna have to get back to work and, and um try to try to figure out what's wrong. Because this this the identity of this team has not been what it what it has been for the last six years.
2: Gabe, you said that in the first segment. This team needs to find its identity on offense. So what do you think? Mike Zimmer is talking about when he when he's saying we need to refine the identity that he's established here in his first six years with the team.
3: I think he's saying we need to go back and watch the film and see what we have done best. Once we figure out what we've done best let's capitalize on that and keep building on that. As of right now what the Vikings have done best is run the ball. When Dalvin Cook gets the ball in his hands and he actually gets a full head of steam we've seen the Vikings prolong drives. Kirk Cousins game one extend the play the Vikings, yeah, we're, we know they want to run the ball. They want to be in three tight end sets and, and you know, get down to the grid of things, but at the same time, it's like, hey, what can we do to keep the defense off balance? When you have success as an offense, the next year, that opposing team's coach is watching that film to see what you did best, and he's going to try to take that away from you. So, for the Vikings, now it's like, okay, what are we doing? What do we have to do to continue to find uh, sustained success? And It all goes back to watching film and seeing what you've done best.
2: The common thread, Si, in this game that Mike Zimmer kept talking about in this press conference is field position. And the stat I have here is that there were four separate drives that the Colts scored on that they only had to go 36 yards or fewer. So how did the Vikings get in better field position going forward?
0: Yeah, I mean, first of all, it was really interesting to listen to Zimmer's press conference because he's right. You think – we're, we're kind of spoiled in the fact that we haven't seen consecutive negativity like this often. You know, I, I think back a couple of years ago when we had that really rough performance against the Bills, and then there was a time we had a really rough performance against the Rams, but things were usually corrected pretty quickly. and. These games, I don't want to say it was Groundhog's Day, but God, you safeties, interceptions, field position, time, time of possession, it felt so similar. And, I mean, I'm going to lean on the coach to, to do the work here and, and be the guy that we all think he is. I'm not going to pretend to know exactly what the fix is here, but just watching as a fan – the, the lack of response to momentum moments and big drives, you know, when, when something bad happens, it feels like the offense today had a really tough time jump-starting to respond. So you give up a safety and, and you know, you give up a, a corresponding field goal. But the defense today, especially in the first three quarters, I thought – you know, we talk about the youth on the team. I thought they came to play. I thought Yannick and Gakwe looked better. I think the corners looked better. I think they made some, some timely defensive stops. But if the offense can't get on the field and put together a drive that's not the first scripted 15 plays, you're just you're kind of spitting into the wind. You know, you, you hit it on the head with the, with the field position battle. You can only hold your thumb in the dike so long before the water comes rushing through.
2: Kirk Cousins on the game, 11 for 26, 113 yards, three interceptions, a QBR of 15.9. Not something to hold your hat on for sure. So let's hear what the Vikings quarterback had to say following the loss. Certainly disappointed. Uh, it was just a, a poor, poor day. And, um, you know, we'll have to go back to work and, and you know, make corrections and, you know, really have a, a great focus this week as we prepare for week three. and Know, come out with a much better effort next next week.
3: Rick, you had the lowest passer rating of your NFL career as a starter through three interceptions for the first time with the Vikings. I mean, just how rough of an outing was it from your standpoint
2: out there? Certainly, stats don't look good, obviously.
0: Yeah, it
2: wasn't the day we wanted. And, um, you know, we'll have to go back and really learn from it, uh, watch the film and, um, you know, really, get a better understanding of how we can be better as a as a unit how I can be better as a quarterback and um, you know that'll be our my focus you know tonight and tomorrow and moving forward through the week. Definitely not the the first two weeks of the season that we imagined for this offense or for Kirk Cousins so when he looks at the tape and starts to think what he can do better what do you think that's going to be? I feel like it is you know, just him trying to figure out what best
3: fits where. And once you find what pieces of the puzzle fits in certain spots, then you can move forward and, and try to learn and grow from there. Right now, of course, he, last week against the Green Bay Packers, he really couldn't get going into the second half. There were some some drives in the first half of this game that the Vikings could have capitalized on. But like Kirk says, you just go back, watch the film, and figure it out and see where you can get better from. But – Kirk, he's a leader of this team. He knows what it's going to take for the Vikings to get back on track. And, and, and now it's up to us and up to Vikings fans to, you know, take a step back and see what Kirk is going to do to make sure this Vikings offense don't take any more steps back.
2: So we've talked about this. The Vikings, obviously their quarterback is going to be Kirk Cousins. He just signs this extension yep. in the offseason. So, how do we move forward here, and and how do we get this offense back on track?
0: There's always a lot of polarization on the internet with the guy, especially when there's a bad game. That's you know, it's just like Yelp reviews. Very rarely is somebody like great restaurant. You know, people people run to the internet during times of negativity. He's the quarterback. He's the starting quarterback. This was a bad game. This is a really bad game for him. But the thing that I've always appreciated about Kirk is he doesn't necessarily run from those sort of things. You know, probably the worst game he's had as a Minnesota Viking, objectively. And it's tough to do a press conference after something like that. You know, a little bit of generic answers. I bet by the time his radio show rolls around on Wednesday, you're you're gonna hear some real... He's a guy who's pretty quick to assess and assign himself blame and to uh, figure out which direction he needs to go. But I think Gabe hit it on the head. You know, you're the, he's the leader of the team. He relishes the role as a leader of a team. And this, this to me, is where leaders prove their leaders. Anybody can be a leader on a 6-0 football team. Anybody can be a leader on a team that's walking into a playoffs. Real leaders have one of their worst performances, have a good week of practice, and look better the next week. These are two really, really tough games, and anybody who's going to sit here and try to powder-puff you positivity about this game is, you know, it's nonsense. What I'm looking forward to seeing is the bounce back, is Kirk being a leader in practice this week and how we come out next week against another really, really good football team that does some of the things that, so far this season, we've struggled against. So, you know, not not to take a cop-out answer, but I- I'm looking for the response. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to break down his film and tell you about his drop-back rate and this and that and this and that. Just as the leader of the team, I'm, I'm looking forward to the response.
2: Speaking of the response, last year the Vikings were 2-2. Two and two following the first four games of the season, the worst game of the year in Chicago against the Chicago Bears, and they went on to win six of the next seven. Um, So you saw a response last year. We will obviously see what happens this year.
0: Yeah, man, that's the other thing. Here's the thing I'll say. These two football games, Gabe, and I'm curious what you think, man. These Mm -hmm. two football games, I said this after the last one, it's almost like they both avalanched horribly. Like, a safety at the wrong time, interceptions at the wrong time, to me, do I think that's who this football team is going to be all year? No way. I think these are outliers. How much of outliers? Time will only tell. But there's – this This is not – and I think that's what Zimmer was feeling in that press conference. I don't think this is representative of who this team is. I don't know if we're going to rip off six in a row, but – I mean, if we, if we walk into Tennessee and get a safety and, and, and a, a devastating first-half interception, that would shock me.
3: If, if we do get a safety that game uh, against the Tennessee Titans, that will be the, third, the, well, the first time since 1970 that, we've, <laughs> that a team has had three safeties in back-to-back-to-back games in regular seasons. But I don't think the Wills are going to fall off here. Like, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what the Vikings are going to do to bounce back. We all, you, You're talking about adversity how are you going to react in that burst situations and having, of course we, we have the biggest draft class and you got what, nine or 10 rookies playing right now. This isn't a young team. Yep. Like, there, there are no rookies. And missing
0: before. one of their veteran stars on defense. Yep. Exactly.
3: When you get the, the camaraderie back, I can see the Vikings, you know, building on this. I'm not going to say wins or losses, but I can see them building on this. You have enough veteran guys in the room to figure it out and say, Hey, all right, well, this is what we did wrong. What can we do better to keep moving on? Because I, nobody wants to be in this situation anymore. Granted, there are no fans. So you don't have the fans to, you know, pick you up and build you up and say, like, hey, you know, we got a 12th man that's going to be behind our back. Like, you have to find it within yourself, within the huddle, within the locker room to figure it out and say,
2: all right, let's just put it all together and let, let's <laughs> let's just keep fighting. Well, we heard from the Vikings head coach, the Vikings quarterback, now we'll go to the defensive side of the ball and hear from one of the leaders on that side. Veteran Anthony Harris spoke to the media following the game. Well, I think for us it's just, you know, going what you got. You know, we believe in the talent that we have. Uh, we know they're young. They know they're young. But at the end of the day, uh, they're professionals. So that's how we treat them. Um, and that's, that's the, that's the um, confidence that they try to go out there and play with. So um, we're just about going to keep plugging away, you know, keep getting on the tape, keep getting better. Uh, looking to keep improving as a team and as a unit, and I'm um, trying to get better and ready for next week. You heard it there from a leader of the Vikings defense. He's been here as the identity was established by Mike Zimmer on this defense. So, Gabe, you hear him say that about the young players. Everyone wants to blame it on the rookies, on the young cornerbacks on this team. What do you think the Vikings need to do moving forward as a unit on the defensive side of the ball?
3: Well, First and foremost, stop the run. Um, once you stop the run, you can go from there. But just speaking of just like a collective group, I think you just <laughs> – there, there needs to be a team meeting tomorrow basically saying, all right, guys, this is what we have. This is what we're going to do. We know we don't have Michael Pierce, this and that. Of course, they've had this conversation, but everybody's talking about, right, talking about it right now. They need to look each other in the eyes and say, all right, this is, this is who we're going to war with and go from there. Anthony Barr, we don't, we don't know what his situation is. Let's say he doesn't play next week. You can't make an excuse about that. Like Anthony Harris said, these guys are professional. Troy Die if he's the next man up, yeah, you're a rookie, but you got to come in here and make some big plays. Jeff Gladney didn't play terrible today. He got his number called. I mean, hey, we're depending on you. You're our first round traffic. We're expecting a lot out of you. So they just have to figure it out and, and understand. Hey, this is this is what we're going to do. Having uh, Anthony not, yeah, Anthony Harris, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks. You have some veteran guys right there in the middle that our vocal leaders that are respected in his locker room. So until, you know, those guys bring the group together and say, hey, this is this is who we're going to war with. We can't make excuses and, and go out there and get the job done, then we're gonna have, we're gonna keep revisiting this conversation. But I I expect those leaders to have that conversation and the Vikings defense to to find ways to be better because they're gonna have to be better against Derek Embry. He's on pace right now to have sixteen hundred rushing yards. And we already know this this guy is Derek Henry is Derek Henry, right? Like you can just say whatever you want. I mean, the guy six three. Just he's a he's a tight end playing running back. He's a linebacker playing running back. So no excuses. Got to get the got to get the guy down.
0: He's a he's an NBA center playing running back. He is. A, I was just gonna say he's a tight end on a tight end shoulders playing running back. I love Anthony Harris. He's one of my favorite dudes on the team. And this, you know, that little snippet, that audio snippet reinforces that for me, you know, and it wasn't an emotional response. It was just him being honest. These are professionals and it's okay to have expectations for professionals because expectations are how people grow and how people achieve. And as much as this sucks right now, as much as an O and two start sucks, as much as watching that game tape sucks Right now, that process, those expectations and, and, and seeing where you fell short of them and being held to the fact that you fell short of them, that is why these guys are going to become Anthony Harris. That is how they become Eric Kendricks and Anthony Barr. And I think that's the culture that Zimmer has instilled. And that's the culture that you – That's this. this felt like Anthony Harris – Speaking as Mike Zimmer, you know, it it felt like when you used to hear Terrence Newman have something to say and you're like, oh man, that's a guy who really has is in sync with his coach and the way they handle stuff. So to me, you know, that was the sound bite of the day. And, um, and I I think he's exactly right. Uh, You know, you you hold yourself to certain expectations. And um, when you fall short, you review them and you grow because you're a professional. And that's how this defense is going to uh, rise. Si, I'm coming right back to you. What does the Vikings
2: defense need to do to get back on track against the Tennessee Titans?
0: Well, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back a little bit here and discuss on track, given what, you know, we talked about earlier here in the sound bites. I mean, you rolled into the fourth quarter and I believe we'd given up 18 points, two of which was a safety. You'd been at disadvantageous, Uh, That's probably a made-up word, but let's go with disadvantageous field positions, interceptions. I... I actually thought the defense responded. You know, this, this wasn't the Green Bay game. They didn't get sliced and diced on the edges and up and down the field all day. They held a the team, not counting the safety, to 16 points through three quarters while being in a tough situation. So there are always going to be things that need to improve. There's always going to be tape to look at. You know, Yannick Ngakwe showed up today strips he has he has a strip sack he he played well in the run game I thought so if they can come and attempt the thing with young guys is consistency if they can come and attempt to be consistent again and maybe we don't have the level of turnovers and we don't have the safeties and we don't have the field position issues that Mike Zimmer mentioned in his presser I'm curious to see what the defense looks in that like in that situation. Because now it's back-to-back weeks. Week one, you're talking the worst time of possession battle in the history of the Minnesota Vikings. Week two, you're talking again about terrible field position turnovers and safeties. What does this defense look like if you punch in that first touchdown and when you get that interception from Eric Wilson, you march down and get another touchdown? Does this defense look completely different when they don't feel like they're behind the eight ball the entire day. I don't know the answer to that, but I'm giving them a little bit of a leash here because to me, this wasn't the same result as the Packer game. The,
3: The Vikings, just looking at just the numbers, the Vikings start the game strong and they end the game strong. The second and third quarter against the Packers, they scored three points in the second quarter, zero points in the third. Against the Indianapolis Colts, they were scoreless in both the second and the third quarter. Like... You have to find ways to, to get up. I mean, of course, it's easy to get up when you when you start your opening drive and then when you're playing down. But what are you going to do in those in-between times? Like, you, you have to score points before the half. You have to have a statement drive in the third quarter to start the, to start the second half off to basically say, like, hey, we're here. There are no fans. There's no 12th man. And, of course, in the Vikings tradition, you, <laughs> playing a home game or – Vikings fans travel to away games also, so it's almost like a home game, whether you're home or away. Unless it's like you know the the Saints or somebody like that or Kansas City, you got to find ways to to pick yourself up when there is no energy uh, helping you guys behind your back.
0: Yeah, and to me, I think I think that's what I felt in both of these two games. I think I, you know you felt. Great goal line stop against the Packers and then, unfortunately, a safety. It's a momentum killer. Interception, you know, what I would really like to see is, you know, the response. The, we, you hear people talk about that all the time in football. When a team marches the length of the field, puts a seven on the board, and, and eats up eight minutes, You can't come out and have a three-player, six-play drive. When you throw an interception and the team marches down and put points on the board, you can't come back on the field, go three or six plays, and give the ball back up. Not only do guys need air, but the team just needs to feel like it's heading the right direction. So, to me – you know that as much as as much as we could talk about a whole lot of things I think that's how you tie everything that we've talked about together here that's you know Kirk as a leader stepping up in those moments next week that's the defense getting an opportunity to play in a little bit more advantageous situations and Mike Zimmer getting the opportunity to coach a team that uh, looks and is in situations that he he normally puts a team in you know so I think it all swirls together in that way and uh and I, i'm hoping that's what we see next week
2: well the vikings are oh and two and head into a game at u.s bank stadium next week against the 2-0 and tennessee titans that'll do it for the vikings postgame report chris corso for Cy amundson ben lieber and gabe henderson we'll see you next week